Hey everyone, welcome to the Port City Podcast. We hope this finds you well. We pray that the Holy Spirit will deepen us through these honest and open conversations. So settle in, take a deep breath, and join us as we continue our series on prayer. Right now, the Lord's been revealing a lot of like um, wants and desires that I have in this season that aren't necessarily bad things. But if I'm wanting them more than him, because I think that they can bring me some sort of satisfaction or fulfillment that he can't, then it turns into an idol or a bad thing. And so I think something that I've been praying recently is that I would, I would never want, um, the, the talent or the gift of singing that I want him Mm. or that I would never want the opportunity to go to this place more than I want him or that I would never want this person or to like this person or for them to like me more than I want him and know his love for me that even if I do get in a relationship, the Lord is my fulfillment and my satisfaction. And so I think that's another prayer that I've been praying in this season, um, that God would meet my need in that way. Yeah. I want to talk about idols and something that I've been um, brewing on for a couple of years. Um, there's a thing in, in the tradition where I come from where we say like God first and then family second and then dogs third and then school for America, America fourth. Yeah. Um, and we kind of like tear, uh, the importance of things. Um, and in a sense that's right. Um, but I think it's a little deeper than that. I think it's a little reductionistic to just say that, like God is like first and then my, and then it's my family. Um, I think the truth of the incarnation is that Christ is in all that God is in all, like he's preeminent. So he is above all, but he is also in all things. Mm-hmm. And there's a, like a thing that can happen when you talk about idols where you, you um, kind of treat, anything else in your life as like a danger to which I'm saying this is a both and it is possible to to treat a relationship or a a thing a hobby as like something that is more important than um than God but I think that the danger is that we do that and then we like recognize that it's becoming more important than our relationship with God and then we don't try to redeem it or reconcile it. We just throw it away. Mm. We break up with the boyfriend or girlfriend or we stop singing on Sunday mornings. Yeah. Right. Like we just, and does God do that with us? No. Like, you know, when, uh, when we become like, you know, 
he doesn't just throw us away. So I think like God's intention is always to reconcile and redeem. And so with that being said, like with, with concerning idols, um, I think it's healthy to recognize an idol in your life, but then say like, okay, how, let's say, let's take my wife. Let's say I have in a sense made an idol of my wife um, and that I like, I'm thinking too much about how to please her and thinking too much about, um, uh, you know, like my role as a husband and it's overtaking my, all of my thoughts in a sense, I should be doing that. Right. But if, if it's overtaking all of my thoughts and I'm not thinking about God at all, um, it's not healthy. Um, instead of just saying no more wife, see ya. <laughs> see ya. um, I say, okay, well, God is in my marriage and so how do I use this thing that I've made an idol as an opportunity to worship God instead of just put it above, quote unquote, God? Yeah. And same good. with like your hobby, right? Like there's a thing in youth groups where it's like, don't let football be more important than God. I was like, okay, well, like how can you use football to worship God, right? How can we teach kids? Christian face paint. We put John three sixteen under our eyes, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, okay, instead of saying I'm spending too much time at football practice or whatever, and not enough time I'm going to church on Wednesday nights. Okay, uh, if you really do love football, then use it as your platform for worship. Can I? Can I say? I just want to make sure everybody didn't just hear you wrong, because I yeah. think some people will say platform for evangelism or platform for like yes. spreading the gospel yes, yes, platform yes, 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 for yes. church, but like platform for worship, for worship. It's specifically yes, different. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. This is also, I'm not anti-evangelistic in the sense, but like, I'm not saying that you have to use everything to be an evangelistic tool. Uh, I think, I think your hobbies are a platform for worship. And by worship, I mean mm. like, uh, well, one, like just being Christ-like, I guess that is evangelistic in a sense, but yeah, yeah, not yeah. a, um, you don't have to put the, the face paint. You don't, uh, there's the quote from. It's not a real quote, but it's still good. Is is it really not? Yeah, the, the, the Luther quote. It was a Luther. Was, the was Christian Luth, shoe Luth, thing. Yeah, yeah. The cobbler, the shoemaker does is not making Christian shoes because he's putting crosses on the bottom of his shoe. He's doing it because he does it well. He does it with excellence. He does it with love, mm. right? Yeah, a so, Christian shoe is a good shoe. A Christian shoe is a good shoe. A good, a Christian football player, musician is a good one. That Christian chicken is a good Christian chicken, chicken is a good chicken. <laughs> Chick fil A is the perfect example. Uh, so do it with excellence. That is your worship. Do it with excellence. Yeah. Love the people that you're doing it with. Be patient. Be kind with them. And like use it as your prayer. That is your prayer, right? Prayer is not restricted to words. We've already gone through this. Your prayer. Uh, offering is your excellence and you doing it with passion and love and, and talking about it with other people and, and being, pa you know, especially for a young person, like being passionate about something is so good, right? Yeah. You don't have to just be passionate, quote unquote, about God, right? Being passionate about something and using that as your platform for saying like, God created this thing and I'm going to like step into it. You know, God created, you know, the guitar and I love the guitar and so I'm going to step into it. I'm going to learn everything I can about it. I'm going to tell people about it. And 
uh, tell people how beautiful the guitar is and how beautiful uh, the music is that 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 it, it makes like that is worship and that is like your offering of prayer as you are like doing your life you know yeah that's good i i think comer said it in one of his sermons but how can i how can i allow the spirit to open me up in this moment like how can i open myself up to the spirit yeah. in this moment yeah. and that's in anything that we do that that's what you're talking about about like inviting the lord in right to everything that we do right there is no secular and there is no sacred it is all sacred if you're a christian everything you do is is meant to be sacred yeah uh, there is no like for the Christian. There is no like I am a musician, so I do secular music on Monday through Saturday, and then I do Christian music on Sunday. No, like if you're a Christian, like everything that you're offering is Christian, right? That doesn't mean it has to all be worship music, right? But everything that you're offering is is through the lens and of of I bear the Spirit of God, and everything that comes out of me, like, is a reflection of what I believe, who I am in Christ. It's all there. Yeah. You said something that I want to hit on real quick. You said prayer is not just using words. Um, I wanted to talk about, um, for those of you who don't know me, I am a very um, emotional person. I express through tears a lot, whatever that emotion is. And I think the Lord has taught me a lot about how that is a gift that he's given me. That is not something that I need to be ashamed of. And, and John, you were saying how God is continually in the process of reconciling and redeeming. Mm -hmm. And so I think the parts of us that we see kind of marred by sin, God is continually redeeming. Mm -hmm. um, and so that is a part of me that I've seen recently, the Lord redeem. Um, and so I just wanted to talk about, um, moments sometimes in our lives where we feel like we don't have words to pray. Um, and that doesn't always have to be expressed through tears, but a lot of times it is in times of sorrow or pain or lament. Um, and I wanted to read Romans 8. Uh, starting in verse 22, we know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the spirit groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope, we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Hmm. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Um, and so when I first like actually read that verse, that gave me so much comfort and peace because there have been so many moments and so many nights where I'm just like on the floor weeping. 
And sometimes it's because of something I know, like there's a reason why I'm crying. Mm. A lot of times, more recently, I'm crying and, and weeping for hours over something that I have no idea what mm. it is. Um, and that verse gave me a lot of peace to know that I don't have to have words to pray. I don't, I don't have to know and understand why I'm crying in that moment. Like God, it's, he tells us that the spirit is interceding on my behalf. Mm. Wordless, like groans too deep for words that even if we were to know what he was praying, like we wouldn't understand because it's so, that's how, how deep it is. Mm -hmm. Um, and in, in accordance with the will of God. Um, and so I like for anybody out there who has experienced that, like that is a beautiful thing that prayer is not only us praying to God, but it's God praying in us and mm-hmm. through us. Um, it, it, yeah. Yeah. How mysterious, right? Yeah. How fascinating and mysterious that our bodies have a, a reaction to what the spirit is doing in our own spirit. Yeah. Um, Lewis says uh, that our posture, um, this is a paraphrase, but essentially like um, our souls respond to how our bodies react. Yes. Right? So like the, which is why like in, you know, the Eastern religions, right, you have, Islam and yoga or Islam and Hinduism and Buddhism, right? So you have like the prayers of um, Muslims who will bow, right? Like face East, face Mecca, bow. And they are submitting their bodies to that, right? Yoga is kind of the same thing. I'm not here to talk about (laughs) whether you should do yoga or not, whatever. But it is interesting like how... um, like how how that's all connected, right? right. God, um, and in that uh, in that passage, he says that we wait for the redemption of our bodies. Mm-hmm. So that means that like our bodies are important. Like our one, our physiological health is important. Like I think a lot of people, um, when they feel spiritually dry, when they are like in the desert and they don't feel like they're hearing from God or. They just don't feel like they want to read their Bibles, whatever. I feel like they try to force first, like if I can just get up and just read my Bible, then it, then it'll happen. Like go take a walk, right? Like start with your body. I think that's really mm. an important place. I think it's the most important place to start. I don't think you can just will yourself into wanting to read more scripture or pray more or whatever. Like if your body is not going to be responsive to that. So like, that's good. So wake up, take a walk, drink water, right? Like get yourself physically healthy, get rest, right? Yeah. If you're in a season of exhaustion and you feel like you can't pray, it's probably because you're exhausted, right? right? So like get rest, take Sabbaths, sleep, and then like start there. Right. Because they're all connected. Yes. Yeah. And one, when one is weak, right, the other one is going to be also. Yes. Yeah. And there's times when the spirit supernaturally over overpowers our body <laughs> in a sense, you know, like yeah. helps us through that. But most of the times, like we need to be mindful of how, how we are treating our bodies because that's where it starts. Yeah. I think uh, as you guys were saying that, I had this thought of 
a person who is tired and exhausted and who goes through their week tired and exhausted and not sleeping and resting, but like getting hits of caffeine and hits of, um, you know, energy drinks and coffees and all of these things. And it doesn't help. It just makes them feel like, well, I keep, I keep drinking a, a Red Bull or a Celsius and, and yet I still feel tired or I've had two coffees today and I still feel tired. And like, maybe that's a, a similar deal of like, well, I just read my Bible, but I don't feel close to God. And it's mm. like, well, maybe you should take a day and, and rest to cure your exhaustion. And maybe you should take some time and, so, so think about how an exhausted week needs to like, you know, 10 hours of sleep. Yeah. And so an exhausted, like an exhausted <laughs> yeah. time spiritually, yeah. maybe it's not going to just take 10 minutes of Bible reading or like a five minute prayer. And maybe it will. This is not, again, this is not like this idea that there is such a thing as like the appropriate time. Right. But I think it just needs like ample time, like anything else to not even for God to respond to your prayer, but for your prayer life to like change your mind and then change your body and get all that lined up. And so sometimes it's like uh, we treat a devotional like a cup of coffee yes. and really you mm -hmm. just need a good night's sleep and really you just need a good time where you're resting in the Lord. And, right. And yes. just going all the time. Because it's, well, what's fascinating about the ancient tradition um uh, the Jews would not allow intercessory prayer on the Sabbath because it was work, mm. right? Like they saw that as work. So you couldn't pray like, I mean, it's a lot, you know, that's a little much, but like you couldn't pray for other people on the Sabbath because that was work. And so I would say like sometimes like going to the scriptures is like exhausting, right? Yeah. Especially if you're, in Leviticus, right? It's right. Like, it's like tiring. Yeah. Um, and so some some days you like don't feel bad if you like are tired and you're like, I, I just don't want to, I don't want to do this. And, and you just sit and you just rest and you listen or you just sit and rest and sit and rest. That's it. Yeah. Right? Sometimes, like there have been times where on my day off, I'll be thinking about something and I'll think, oh, I need to go look at this. And so so sometimes Bible reading is like freeing and resting and fun and right. good and you're feeling something from it. So again, like just 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 to I and I know that you didn't mean this, but I don't want anybody to listen and think like, oh, they said before that you can do it anytime and however long you want and as long as it's genuine. And so I don't want now to feel like we're backtracking on that. Mm -hmm. But I do think that um yeah, you can sometimes it, it's just the idea is like that God reveals himself to us in all of these ways. And so take advantage of all of the ways, spend time with him and yes. like spend time in prayer, spend time in silence, rest, read the Bible. Like don't, you know, like I, we've talked about this before, but also kind of growing up in our more Southern Baptist tradition, it felt as, as well admit well, but it also kind of felt like our closeness to God was solely dependent upon waking up 15 minutes earlier and reading my Bible before school. 
And like, that was the missing key to life <laughs> is that if I just got up now, did I get up 15 minutes early to read my Bible before school? No. So for all I know, maybe that was the missing link <laughs> was, and I, yeah. I would have had a better time yeah, if yeah. I would have done that. Yeah. Anyone that has ever told me that the secret to life is to wake up in the morning and to read your Bible for 15 minutes or whatever does not do that themselves because I have been that person as well. Mm. Right. Like I, I used to tell people just wake up in the morning and read your Bible, but I wasn't doing it. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I think I actually thought about this whole thing that we were talking about today because I'm kind of in a season where I have been kind of comparing myself now to the season of life I was in mm. last semester where I was probably the closest, I felt the closest that I've ever been with the Lord. And I had like, I, I had a Saturday to Sabbath and I spent time in silence and all this stuff. And I feel like this season of life has really gotten busy and I've been kind of like beating myself up for mm. um, not it not looking the same. And so I was just thinking about what we're talking about and, and how like, oh, well, if I just, you know, get up and yeah. do this for will, 30 will minutes. Your, will then, yourself to do it. Right. Then I'll be, then I'll be good. Yeah. And I think any time that I've found that I actually rest and sit, it's way longer than just like, all right, 15 minutes and I'm good. Right. You know, like it's actually taking time to be still and hear from the Lord. Yeah. And I think sometimes I try and do that and it's like, well, I got to go. And you know, that was 45 minutes. So I'm good. I got to go. But like actually carving out time, maybe for me, this looks like one morning that I don't have stuff going on and I carve out more time than I think I should to just like actually decompress. Mm -hmm. I think Americans in particular, the West, we are not disciplined people. Yeah. Like we don't know about discipline at all. Like we don't know how to get up and have a rhythm, particularly now that we have phones, right? We have literally our whole lives are completely turned upside down. We have no daily rhythm at all because we have cell phones. Um, so, you can either say like, okay, will yourself into a discipline, which for some people that works. Some people are, some people are obvi obviously there are some, this is a generalization, but some people are very disciplined. Some people get up every morning and at Ryan, my pastor, gets up every morning at like four o'clock and does CrossFit, right? I can't do that. I'm never going to be able to do Ooh. that, right? Yeah, no. Um, so you can either like train to become more disciplined, which is a possibility, um, or you can will yourself into become more disciplined with possibility, but most likely you're going to fail on that. So you either beat yourself up, throw out the idea of a quiet time in the morning, or uh, just recognize that like that's going to come in seasons, right? So same th that thing that you were talking about, where you had a season of of that. I've I recently like uh, probably six months ago had that season for a couple months, where I was like, man, every more I was doing liturgy liturgy the hours. Like, I am God's favorite right now. I am now. God's favorite right now. He <sighs> smiling on is, me. He's got a big old smile right now. Um, the last shall be first, but right now I'm first. Paul. I am first in line. 
I was first in line for my prayer, for the prayer queue. <laughs> um, yeah, I was doing Liturgy of the Hours for a couple months and like, and, and I had the rhythm and I had the schedule and I, and it felt great. And then just as quickly as that came, it left. Right. And then I was like, okay, now I don't have any desire anymore to be disciplined like this. Yep. And so you can either beat yourself up and feel bad about it, or you can recognize that that's just like maybe the economy of God and how he like works in us and mm-hmm. that he like uses those times to prepare us for the dry season that's going to come. And again, mystery. Why does he do it? Why does he seemingly pull away the felt presence of his spirit? I think maybe so that we, this is St. John of the Cross, is dark night of the soul, but he does that because like to teach us to love him and to not love the feeling that we get from him. Ooh, come right? on. Um, you ever met, uh, meet a new Christian that like is so on fire, passionate about God, they're ready to freaking go to the end of the earth and, and tell everybody they know about Jesus. And then like a year later you meet them and they're like, not like that anymore, right? God maybe in his grace removes his felt presence so that we can learn to love him and not the feeling that high that we get from the feeling of the spirit, right? I can't believe you just said that without saying charge hell with a water pistol or something. (laughs) That's not in my vocabulary. I would have not, I would have not thought that. I've never heard that before. Yeah. I mean, yes, but I would never have used that. I know I said a while ago that we were going to try to do this without jokes, and I feel like the last six things I've said are jokes, but I just hadn't said much. Why you here? What's new? I want to really plug in. I think the theme of the what we've been talking about here is like multiple things can be true at once, and like you can have a quiet time and be disciplined and that'd be good. You can also not have a quiet time and still have a prayer life and still have a deep inner life with the spirit like just like many things in the christian faith like there's no line to be drawn here there's no dogma there's no doctrine of prayer in a sense like it's all very open and many things can be true it's just communication with yeah you're just talking sometimes this this might sound kind of silly but sometimes i think putting the obviously like we are told to pray specifically with the word prayer. So I get that like that word is something that we didn't make up, but sometimes it feels like I wish we could didn't have to call it prayer because some people are so like weirded out by that word or that word's like stressful. And we've talked before about the, again, like, but that's a tale of all this time. In Jesus' day, people were praying lofty prayers and it wasn't like that was just it wasn't like that was normal. Like people knew that that was annoying. That's why Jesus said, you know, those people that do it, don't do that. Like, <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why he, the disciples said, teach us how to pray. Like yeah. they didn't ask, teach us how right. to cast out demons, teach us how yeah. to. But I think that, I think that means that, that, that whatever, whatever misconception there was on prayer, like the disciples had it too, because it was right. kind of like, how do we pray? Teach us how to do it. And we still have the same question. How do we yeah. pray? How do we pray? So yeah. it's been 2000 years. We still kind of have that same thing. And maybe like Jesus' response and what we are kind of saying now is being taught how to pray is like being taught how to breathe and being taught mm-hmm. how to see and how to feel. Mm-hmm. And like, and like, it's not this idea that like that whole, it's, it's like when you're like 12 and you hear pray without ceasing for the first time and you're like, so do I just need to be whispering? at all times or right or like do i have, have to, this conversation all the time right. in my is, head does my mind have to be saying 
like saying like saying words in my mind or whatever <laughs> that right. doesn't make sense but you know what i'm saying that would have to be like f- forming thoughts in my mind conversating yeah with god or is it just that like that praying without ceasing is like um uh, awareness just living in i don't you know so so i think and and maybe maybe i'm missing some context here and, and this should be like like I should say that this is, I'm more just in my head now than trying to get into like get into theology. But, but like, it it does seem that we've been asking how do we like how how do we pray is not a new question, and right. it's one that the disciples asks and, and it's one that we asked. And so maybe, um, maybe it's just that prayer isn't what we think it is, and it's not close your eyes and bow your head and put your hands together and ask things to God. Maybe it's bigger than that. And in some sense, that's kind of what we've been trying to talk about this right. whole time. Even if we didn't really totally frame it up like that, if, if, if it feels like maybe we've like, maybe maybe to some degree we've like found the through line here at the end. But um, yeah, well, that's fascinating. Comer says prayer is life with God. Mm. Yeah, so praying without ceasing is just living with God. Yeah. Hello friends, John here. Thanks for joining us again for this episode of the Port City Podcast as we continued our series on prayer. A little bit ago, I briefly mentioned the practice of Lectio Divina, or the divine reading. In this practice, we will take excerpts of the scriptures and meditate on them, spend time with them, wrestle with them, contemplate them. This is a practice deeply rooted in history And as millions of Christians through the ages for the past 1,500 years or so have practiced this, they have found great revelation in the heart of God. This is a contemplative practice, so the point is not really to be studying the scriptures here, but letting the scriptures be written on our hearts. It's not enough for us to just know the scriptures intellectually. You can see the Pharisees for that one. We must let them become deeply indwelled in us so that when we walk through our day, Our heart overflows with the presence of God so that we may be doers of these scriptures. There are four common steps to Lectio Divina, and every tradition does it a little bit differently, so if you want to, uh, you can do some research and see which way is best for you. I'm going to offer my four steps that I do and how I do them. Feel free to do it with me as I give you these four steps. Let's begin. First, I take a passage of scripture, one that particularly means something to me. It is often the words of Jesus. So I read it, and then I read it again, and then I read it again in another translation. I do this probably half a dozen times or so, and I read it in my head, and I read it out loud. Then I reflect. I ask the Spirit to bring to mind maybe a word association that helps me be more intimately connected to the passage. 2,000 years removed from the writing of the scriptures, what does this passage have to do with you or me today in the 21st century? Next is to respond. This is when we pray it. We take that passage and we either say it verbatim as a prayer or we use our own imagination to make this scripture a prayer offering to God. 
And finally, we rest and meditate on it. Try to memorize a part of it, or all of it, if you can, so that as you walk through your day, you can say it over and over again. You don't have to be actively thinking about it all day, but ask that the Spirit would bring it to mind every once in a while. This is tremendously helpful when it comes to recentering ourselves in the midst of our busy days. So thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Port City Podcast. Bless you as you walk in step with the will of Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.